Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, back to BAMS Radio here on this uh, January the 25th. Already getting late in January. National Science Day just a couple of weeks away. Recruiting will be a big topic of conversation. Uh, but, of course, uh, so will the coaching carousel. And we've got some breaking news as we, we start recording this BAMS radio here on this Thursday night. It's always great to be back with Thomas Watts, the wizard behind the curtain, and my co-host of BAMS radio. And also our third amigo, William Redfish Barger, Alabama insider, former national champion, and an offensive lineman from 89 to 93 at the Capstone. Welcome back, gentlemen. William, uh, the uh, coaching carousel continues to turn Nick Saban today announcing officially Carl Scott as defensive backfield coach uh, and uh, Josh Gaddis as wide receivers coach and like very, very, very likely co-offensive coordinator coming over from Penn State. But an even more intriguing move looks to be made as Pete Thamel of Yahoo.com, formerly of Sports Illustrated, is reporting former uh, Arkansas offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach who had uh, Dan Enos, who had just taken a position with Michigan uh, as their uh, passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach, is going to leave the Wolverines after a month and uh, come to Alabama as uh, associate head coach and quarterback coach. Your thoughts on that? I know you've always been a fan of Dan Enos. Yeah, and, you know, Drew, I think he probably would have been at Alabama several years ago. But uh, you got to give old, our old buddy Burt Beluga, the former Arkansas head coach, credit. You know, when he got him to come down there as, as his O.C., um, he had a, uh, you know, a huge buyout attached to his contract that basically prevented him from going anywhere else as a coordinator in the SEC. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the, you know, many, many things that Coach Saban is so good at is when he faces somebody um, that gives him problems from a defensive end, I, I think they become intriguing to him, um, you know, as possible coaching hires. And uh, you know, I think he would have been at Alabama probably. You know, he might have been the coordinator at Alabama instead of Lane Kiffin if that buyout wasn't in place. And uh, I love the guy as a, as a quarterback coach. Um, you know, I think this time last year, you know, we were kind of expecting the, the tight ends to be more involved in the offense based on, you know, Brian Dayball coming from the New England Patriots. Uh, but, you know, this is another guy that, that does, a, I think, a great job of evaluating quarterbacks, you know, at the high school level and, and also incorporating tight ends, uh, you know, into his offense. You know, um, you know, he, he didn't have a, uh, you know, really a full war chest of talent to operate with up in Arkansas. But, you know, he gave that Alabama defense problems, you know, several times. Um, you know, with uh, Jeremy Sprinkle at tight end, Hunter Henry. Uh, you know, certainly I think he found, you know, two diamonds in the rough at quarterback with, with, with the Allen brothers. Uh, but, man, you know, if this thing comes to fruition, man, I mean, this, this is going to be Nick Saban's best coaching staff since he's been at Alabama. And that's saying a lot. Uh, uh, your thoughts on Josh Gaddis. Uh, he's been uh, with James Franklin for six years. 
He coached Jordan Matthews at Vanderbilt, who is from my community here at Madison Academy. And uh, I watched him play in high school, and he set every SEC receiving record, and that was with, you know, average QB play at best. Uh, then they go to Penn State and revitalize that offense. Uh, just looking at this guy's bio and, and doing some digging, William, he seems like a dynamic recruiter and what's more so a really good developer of talent. This seems like a very, very good hire, uh, Josh Gaddis. Oh, it's it's very good, Drew, and and you know that's that's kind of a you know it's certainly in coaching circles it's not a secret, but to you know the average fan that, that doesn't really um, you know know about this kind of stuff or, or you know take a look at it, you know that that's the reason that James Franklin was successful at Vanderbilt is you know he was operating in a lot of gray areas um, in recruiting. Um, I'm not going to name the the player's name, but I was involved in a, you know, kind of a meet and greet deal um, right around the time that the uh, the Hoover Seven on Seven uh, tournament takes place every summer. And uh, this will just give you some insight into you know how Franklin operates. And he he and his whole uh, coaching staff at Vanderbilt. This would have been summer of. Because he's a senior at Alabama now, I'm just trying to put all this together. So, 17, 16, 15. This would have been the summer of 14. Um, James Franklin had brought his whole coaching staff down to Birmingham, Alabama, of all places, on a quote coaches retreat, and they just so happened to be staying at the same hotel that all the damn uh, seven on seven uh, participants were playing at. So, you know, that just gives you some insight. And, and you know, that, that's when, you know, I had first heard about Josh Gaddis. You know, he was his lead recruiter at Vanderbilt. Um, he's kind of, you know, elevated himself up there at Penn State. Um, you know, been the guy that, you know, kind of gets most of their talent, you know, for them up there. I think it's a great hire, um, you know, from the standpoint of I think he's a, you know, a guy like a, like a Jeremy Pruitt or a Mario Cristobal a Tosh Lapoy, um, so to speak. He's never been at a program where I think he can – he is now, but he's never been at a program where he can kind of, you know, you know, exchange blows with any of those guys, being, being elite both on the field and in recruiting. Um, but, you know, done a great job everywhere he's been with Franklin, and, and I think it's a huge hire. You know, he's a young guy, um, very energetic on the recruiting trail, can relate to players well. Um, you know, kind of, you know, recruited the Eastern Seaboard, uh, you know, down into Florida. Um, I know I can't remember the kid's name, but I know prior to leaving uh, Penn State, had had at least one uh, five-star wide receiver committed to him up there at Penn State. So I'm excited about that hire. Uh, and I think that's what you're seeing, you know, because, you know, Drew, you know, you're on the radio every day, and I can only imagine the you know, the number of Alabama fans that you have to deal with on a daily basis going back to uh, the summer and, and the fall, especially once school started back for the high school kids. You know, the, the number one thing that you heard over and over and over again is, you know, why are we off to such a slow start in recruiting? What's wrong with recruiting? Is Coach Saban slipping? You know, Kirby Smart's out recruiting and blah, 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 blah. Well, here we are, you know, what two and a half weeks, but you know, prior to National Signing Day, and Nick Saban's got a uh, you know a pretty nasty finish lined up for Alabama. 
um, on national leading up to National Signing Day. Uh, but then he's he's actually gone out there um, and and you know hired in guys, um, which I think is is very heavily um, with, with a Louisiana Mississippi Texas flavor to it with the guys that he's brought in. You know guys like Jeff Banks. Um, you know, the DB's coach from uh, Texas Tech, certainly Pete Golding, um, you know, guys that have a lot of relationships and experience recruiting both Mississippi and Louisiana. You know, and I think that makes good sense. If you, if you look at, um, you know, what Florida State's done, um, you know, with, with Mullen and his staff going to Florida and, and Mark Rick down in Miami, um, you know, certainly with what Kirby's doing over in Georgia, even though, the whole time, you know, Nick Saban's been at Alabama. He's never really been dependent on Georgia talent. Um, I think it's kind of ironic that the best player that Nick Saban has pulled out of the state of Georgia since he's been there in 2007 was a lowly ranked three-star offensive guard named Chance Warmack, who, you know, turned into a first-round draft pick. But I'm very excited about the new hires, Drew. Um, I think you're going to see – um, them get off to a early and fast start to the 2019 class, but I also think these new hires um, are going to, you know, kind of pump some energy into the program and, and help Nick Saban finish this 2018 class uh, out, out out with a bang. No question about that. I think it's uh, very exciting. And now, uh, if this hire is uh, coming to fruition, and it looks like it is, that he's going to leave Michigan. It would probably leave one more opening on the staff, William. Uh, you, you know, uh, there was there was thoughts, uh, you know, over a week ago that it could be a cornerbacks coach, uh, you know, but uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. It leaves open tight ends because Jeff Banks has been announced as special teams coach. And, of course, Alabama can have 10 assistant coaches. Uh, might we see a guy like Chris Winkie as tight ends coach? What, what do you think, uh, what uh, Coach Saban, uh, I know we, we, we may not know for a, another few days, but we're – uh, if you, what, with who you're talking to, where do you think he's leaning toward that last move? Well, you know, I, I think that's a very interesting question, number one. And, and the thing that intrigues me is, you know, he, he flew up to Knoxville um, a day or two after Jeremy Pruitt was hired. And, you know, I don't think it's any secret on this show what my feelings are about Jeremy Pruitt as a football coach. I, I really thought that was, you know, going to happen. Um, but, but it didn't, you know, he, he left and didn't take the job and, and came back to Tuscaloosa. So did, did he come back to Tuscaloosa with the aspirations that he was going to stay for one more year to be an offensive analyst? You know, that just doesn't add up in my wheelhouse. I think there is something on the table for Chris Winkie with this staff. Now, you know, when, when the dust settles after national signing day, um, you know, maybe he's reannounced as, a, as an offensive analyst again. I don't know. But, you know, common sense tells me there's probably something in play there, and I think you might see that, um, you know, take place. You know, coaching tight ends is basically, you know, coaching tight ends on offense and coaching linebackers on defense are kind of the entry-level coaching positions on both sides of the football in college football. So, you know, Chris is, you know uh, – you know, been an offensive coordinator or at least a quarterback coach at the NFL level. So he, he can certainly handle that if it's offered to him. And I think it would be a very intriguing hire. Young coach uh, with a lot of pedigree. Of course, we thought 
he might be the QB's coach. But Dan Enos has that connection to Nick Saban dating back uh, to being a young quarterback at Michigan State uh, and has uh, already worked in the SEC at Arkansas. So very intriguing move by Nick Saban. Obviously, uh, uh, there had been some uh, talk maybe that uh, that Michael Oxley might not be pleased with bringing in a QB coach because he wanted to be that QB coach himself. But, again, uh, I, I getting a guy of Dan Enos's, uh quality, uh, you can't blame Nick Saban uh, for making that move. Michael Oxley uh, is still in the catbird seat here, William. He's going to have more talent at his uh, disposal than at any time in his coaching career. And this uh, uh, two years of Tua Tonga-Vailoa, can easily equate uh, to a, another head coaching opportunity for Michael Oxley. Yeah, and I guess, you know, Drew, that's the $64,000 question is, depending on how, you know, Coach Saban decides to, um, you know, fill that 10th position, is, is what position will Michael Oxley coach? Um, you know, I guess that would be my only counterpoint to, you know, Chris Winkie, you know, coming in as, as tight ends coach. If Enos is going to be the quarterback's coach and, you know, Burton Burns, you know, is the running back's coach, Brent Key's the O-line coach, uh, Gaddis is the wide receiver's coach, you know, what position is Mike Loxley, um, you know, going to coach? And maybe that's a dynamic that's, you know, in play that we've never seen before with that addition of that 10th staff member. Um, you know, regardless how it shakes out, I'm, I'm tickled to death with the, uh, you know, the, the new hires and, and the way this staff is, is shaking out. Because um, I think you've got, you know, so many guys that are, you know, kind of proven commodities as on-the-field coaches. But more importantly, the, the lifeblood of a program is, is recruiting. And uh, that's certainly something that Nick Saban puts a premium on. It is. And I thought it was very interesting, too, uh, the visitors being expected this weekend uh, to for, for recruiting. We know Alabama, William, has got, uh, you know, they do have a public commitment from Bobby Brown, but still he's – a part of what should be eight more additions to this recruiting class to put them at 23 uh, for the Crimson Tide. Uh, it, the numbers are getting very, very tight. Of course, there's been some rumblings that Bobby Brown might visit Texas A&M unofficially this weekend or next uh, because uh, I did read one report today that he wasn't expected to go anywhere this weekend except his mother said maybe back to Alabama. Uh, but definitely would uh, would uh, you know uh, think about visiting Texas A&M the next weekend. Uh, but uh, we think uh, definitely it's, it's leaning toward Alabama taking a couple of defensive linemen left, and we know uh, Bobby Brown and Malik Langham are at the top at the top of those lists because as we reported on this show and throughout, I know you really like Malik Langham a lot. Uh, he's been as hot as any prospect in the state. I know Auburn came to see him this week, but understand. Uh, Malik Langham is considered a heavy lean to Alabama, if not privately committed at this time, uh, going into the last couple of weeks of recruiting. Yeah, and I think you know he, he's a classic example of you know, you know a guy that's that's only played two years of high school football. He kind of um, thought of himself as a D one basketball prospect, um, you know, until his, his tenth grade you know basketball season was over with, and that happens to a lot of kids. You know, when you watch him on film, I think he's very sudden. I think he's very explosive. You know, got those long arms. As a former offensive lineman, um, I, I never like to line up on Saturdays across from somebody that have, you know, arms like tree vines like he does because it makes it very difficult um, to, to get inside hand position on somebody like that. 
you know, John Copeland, a guy that I played with, you know, kind of had the same uh, body type that Malik Langham does. And, you know, he hasn't had a chance to, you know, spend a lot of quality time in a strength and conditioning program at the high school level because, um, you know, in the wintertime he was playing high school basketball. In the summer he was playing AAU basketball. You know, he's a guy that I think um, could really, you know, blow up and become a, a real physical specimen, you know, with just a little bit of time in the Alabama strength and conditioning program. And, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at this class, Drew, you know, so many people were, you know, questioning it, you know, back in July and August and what direction was it going in. And, you know, we talked about this, that really – the, the priorities for this class, and I think when you're grading a class, regardless of how the, the recruiting services have it ranked, you, you really, you know, if you're a football guy, you have to look at what the needs are. And obviously Alabama's needs for this class were at the defensive line position and, and the DB position with, with the departures and, and the depth chart needs. Uh, you know, you fill in, you know, at the offensive line and wide receiver and you know, other places, but that, that's where the pressing needs were, was at defensive line and at DB. And, you know, this is just me, um, especially with the, you know, the, the, the final two candidates for the position. I'll be interested to see because if they don't take a quarterback and, you know, if I was in that Monday morning 7.30 recruiting meeting, I would be pushing for not taking one this year um, with what's available next year and what's already on campus. Um, you know, if, if you were, you know, maybe thinking that, you know, Jalen Hurts was going to transfer, <clears throat> then I think it would be more of a pressing need. But at least for the 2018 season, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, I, I think if, if they choose to not take a quarterback, and that still remains to, you know, be to, de to be determined, you might see him take an extra uh, third DB, um, which I think is what they need. I don't think they need a, you know, just a, a depth chart filler at quarterback. I think they've got an opportunity, um, especially with, with a lot of these guys that they've attracted interest from out in California. Um, I'd rather see him take a third DB than one of these marginal QBs. Well, and uh, I, I would agree with that too, but, uh, William, don't you think there's a chance that Jalen could leave uh, in the summer uh, before the season? Uh, sure, we we all believe he'll be here in the spring. It looks likely at this point, but uh, if Tua uh, wins this job outright, and he, I believe he will in the spring, you, you, do you see, we don't you think we could still see a transfer from Jalen in the summer? And that's why they may sign a QB. Though I'm like you, I, if you could get by, by with it, uh, I would probably pass. You know, Drew, I think if he was going to get gone, um, you got you got to kind of look at where he's at as a not just a player, but but, but academically, um, he's a very intelligent kid. Um, you know, I think there's a chance that um, he could probably have his bachelor's degree by December. You know, he's still got a red shirt to burn if he needs to, and I think you know for his sake, what 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 I would hope that you know Coach Saban and Mike Loxley and his parents would maybe sit down and have a meeting and say, you know, look, because I think there's two, two different career paths here in play. You know, if you want to be a quarterback and that's, that's, you, you have the, you know, the full right to make that decision. Um, you're not going to be one at the next level. I think that's already been predetermined. Um, 
But, you know, I think with the, you know, the family that the Jalen Hurts comes from, he's a coach's son, you know, maybe that's what Jalen Hurts' ultimate goal is, um, is to be a, you know, a football coach when it's all said and done. You know, and if that's the career path, then, you know, maybe you don't try and educate him and, and uh, guide him to go to another position. You know, he might be, I ain't gonna lie to you, Drew. I mean, watching his body language um, in the na- second half of the national championship game, we talked about this last week. I thought he looked relieved over there on the sideline, um, you know, not having the pressure on him. Um, and I thought that was a very genuine response um, to what Tua was doing on the field. And then again, I watched it last Saturday in the national championship parade, and you saw the the interaction that he had with Tua, um, you know, during the, the parade where they were walking, um, you know, down uh, uh, the road before they got to the stadium. And, you know, he just looks very happy and very at ease where he is. Now, as a competitor, um, you know, maybe he does decide to, you know, say, you know what, I'm a quarterback and that's what I'm always going to be. And, you know, you go, you could, you could also go down that road to, you know, somewhere else, but I just don't think there is life after college for Jalen Hurts as a quarterback, um, not at the next level in the NFL. So, um, to answer your question, you know, I just I can't I can't really say, you know, where he's at from a, a mental standpoint, what the family's pushing for. Um, you know, if it were me and I was a, uh, you know, a mentor or advisor in his family, I would say, look, um, if you want to have an opportunity, because he is a great athlete, um, he's he's big, he's strong, he runs fast. Um, I could see him having a future as an NFL football player, much in the same way that it's worked out for Terrell Pryor. Um, I could see him being an NFL guy, you know, kind of as an H-back. I don't think he's a pure wide receiver. I don't think he's a pure running back. But I could see him having a future as an H-back. But we're just going to have to sit back and wait and see how it all plays out. But I think him having that red shirt to burn, um, I I just don't see him leaving. If he was going to leave, I think he would leave before spring practice, I guess is the best way of putting it. Interesting. And uh, Braxton Miller also uh, switched positions before the end of college and is an H-back. That, that's uh, who I meant, with, not Terrell Pryor. I meant Braxton Miller. Well, Pryor had to do the same thing. I mean, he spent some time as a quarterback in the NFL, but quickly realized he was never going to get on the field and converted to a wide receiver. So both those guys, and ironically, they both came from Ohio State, uh, both uh, had to switch positions in order to stick in the National Football League. So, uh, a very interesting takes there, William, no doubt about it. And now, uh, of course, uh, as we talked about, it's re- recruiting is uh, coming full circle. And the first graduate transfer album has been mentioned with is uh, uh, from Jeff Collins' neck of the woods at Temple. Uh, they have a junior kicker who uh, he's a redshirt junior who's graduated and has one year of eligibility remaining. From what I understand, I think he was 50 of 67 kicking Austin Jones. He will be visiting this weekend. So Alabama may be bringing in some competition uh, for the redshirt freshman Joseph Belovis. Well, I mean, my question to you, Drew, is what does that say about uh, Belovis' development? I mean, you know, we both saw, uh, you know, the, the ugly scrimmages this summer. And, you know, you could write that off as – you know, true freshman nerves, I guess. But, you know, it was not, um, 
what you would expect out of somebody that was rated the number one kicker in the country by some people. Um, you know, he got beat out by, you know, Andy Papanostas. Um, you know, I think that's still probably something that's, you know, the fact that they're even bringing him in, I think should be a, you know, a red flag for a lot of people about how the coaching staff feels about, you know, Bulliff's development. Um, you know, if they can get this kid from Temple, you know, I've seen his stats just like you have. I think it would be, uh, you know, certainly somebody worth taking. But, uh, you know, I think it probably also – and, you know, and again, I think that, you know, now that they've got a, a true special teams guru on the staff and Jeff Banks, um, you know, maybe we need to take a, you know, a to-be-determined – um, type of, of opinion on how this thing's going to play out with the kicker situation. But, you know, that's kind of been, um, I, I think, outside of 2009 with, with uh, Lee Tiffin, um, you know, that, that kicker position, you know, it's kind of been the Achilles heel. Uh, I, I think the only two things, if you're just being an honest Alabama fan, you know, the only two positions that you can really um, – you know, ding Nick Saban on from an evaluation standpoint or quarterbacks and kickers. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see how that all plays out. I think the fact that they've got somebody, you know, interested that's proven himself, um, you know, at a college football level like the kid from Temple, that he's coming here and at least taking a visit, um, you know, if they can get him and fit him in with the, with the 85 number, um, I'm sure they'd welcome it with open arms. Yeah, I think it'd be a worthy gamble. I mean, just in case uh, Belovis is not ready this year, uh, they could get one year out of this Austin Jones, and but perhaps uh, you know Joseph would be ready uh, in 2019 because they did use a scholarship on the young man. I, from what I understand, he got off of that slow start last year, but then through fall camp he kicked very well, but Papanastas did as well, and Nick Saban always leans toward experience. So, uh, you know, and, and remember, uh, you know uh, – Adam Griffith also uh, redshirted before becoming the kicker. So it'll probably be interesting. And you bring up a great point, William. Jeff Banks has a great reputation uh, with the guys I check with. I've got some contacts in the in the uh, uh, Texas uh, state of Texas, and they are the football brainiac guys. I'm friends with a lot of those, and uh, they're you know they they cover Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Uh, they give glowing marks to Jeff Banks. This, I think that's a really good hire by Nick Saban. Yeah, you know, I can't remember if we talked about this, uh, you know, last uh, Thursday. Um, if I did, I apologize for repeating myself. But, um, you know, for, for the fans out there that haven't seen it, there, there's a lot of really good, um, you know, two- to three-minute videos on YouTube. Um, you know, Texas A&M, I guess, you know, allows their, their media people you know, to come in and film meetings. And uh, there's a lot of good YouTube videos out there that you can watch about uh, the way Jeff Banks conducts his, uh, or at least conducted his special teams meetings at Texas A&M. And, uh, you know, the the two things that jumped out to me about them after watching them, because i got to be honest, I'd never heard of the guy um, until he had already been hired at Alabama. But, uh you know, after watching those videos, the two things that jumped out to me was, number one, um, his, his just overwhelming attention to detail, number one, and the, the level of intensity that he approached his job. Um, very impressive. And uh, so I, I think he is a great hire. And I think that, um, you know, 
if you if you go over and you read a you know a Texas A and M board or a USC or a UCLA board, um, you know a lot of those fan bases are, are already talking about. Um, and, and you've seen you know one player that uh, was involved, or there's actually two players um, that have been involved both with you know the West Coast schools, Texas A and M and Alabama. Um, you, you saw very quickly, I think, after he was hired by Alabama, you saw things start to trend positively back towards Alabama um, with the number one slot wide receiver in the country. That um, was kind of an Alabama-Texas A&M battle, especially after Jimbo Fisher was hired at A&M, uh, talking about Jalen Waddell. And you've also seen a uptick and increase with you know, the number of DBs, I think there's at least three or four of them out in California, you know, that Nick Saban has got scheduled to make in-homes with over the next couple of weeks. So, I, like I said, I, I'm very impressed with um, the, the hire of him, number one, um, but also all the other guys that, that he's brought on board. Um, you know, there's there's people out there that have, you know, gotten word back to me that, um, you know, despite the fact that, you know, Tosh LePoy is going to be the guy calling the plays. He's got a great relationship with Pete Golding, uh, has a very high opinion of him. And, you know, I think you saw uh, last week, um, and I can't remember the recruit, uh, Drew. It might have been Eddie Smith, um, you know, the DB that the staff has kind of fallen in love with, um, where, where Golding's plane was canceled due to the weather or a mechanical failure. And, and you saw Eddie Smith's mom jump there on Twitter and, and kind of brag about him, you know, renting a car at the airport where the plane broke down. I think he drove 300 miles to show up and make his in-home visit um, to see him. And that, that kind of gives you some insight into, uh, you know, Pete Golding's mindset as a recruiter, and a guy that's going to have a real prominent place on the defensive staff at Alabama. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, that Carl Scott, the new defensive backs coach, uh, and will work closely with the safeties, Nick Saban, likely to continue to work with the corners unless the 10th assistant is uh, hired for that position, and that is looking uh, increasingly not likely. Uh, but Carl Scott had uh, worked uh, at Southeastern Louisiana and Tusculum with Pete Golding, very familiar there, and I'm sure Pete had – a, uh, something to do with him being hired. So uh, guys that are already used to working with one another, I thought that dynamic was very interesting, William. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, the reason that Pete Golding was hired, you know, this isn't a, you know, some sort of pro- proprietary secret. Mm-hmm. Bo uh, Davis. So the, guy, the, guy that gave, the guy that gave the, you know, the heads up, and, you know, I'm not going to say this on the show because it'll probably show up on a message board next week. Um, but, you know, there is still a lot of interaction and contact between Bo Davis and Nick Saban. And it's no secret that Bo Davis is the one that told Nick Saban, you know, hey, you know, I- I'm working with a guy out here in San Antonio that's a rising star. Um, you know, you saw where, they, where, he, where his defense finished this year in the top ten, um, you know, in scoring defense. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the, the – the, when you see all these hires that have been made, um, and it's been, you know, kind of crazy to try and keep up with Drew. I'm sure even worse for you that has to, you know, talk to people and interact with them every day on the radio. 
uh, you know, with, with your presence on Twitter as well. But man, I mean, it's it's young, energetic guys that have, you know, deep rooted relationships. When you when you factor in uh, Golding, Scott, and Banks, all three of those guys have big time relationships in the Houston metro area, back into Louisiana and Mississippi. And, uh, you know, I think that's where, you know, Coach Saban, because it's no secret that the state of Mississippi and, and Louisiana for the 2019 recruiting cycle has a – both states have once-in-generational talent levels in both states. So, you know, he, he's kind of loaded the gun, um, you know, with guys that can go over there and, and, you know, leverage their relationship with high school coaches and their players. Um, you know, I like the fact that, um, you know, Gaddis has that, that relationship up there, um, you know, up the eastern seaboard in Florida, just like Tosh LePoy and, and uh, uh, Mike Loxley do. So you can see the direction that Nick Saban's going with and, and how he wants to attack, uh, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, this 2019 class that is, is a very – I think it's a much more talented class overall than what we're dealing with and talking about in, in 2018. Yes, he really does. And then, uh, as you said, though, uh, this 2018 class looks like it's going to finish very strong. A lot of, uh, you know, momentum for Alabama following this national championship. Uh, Jalen Waddle, their top wide receiver target from Bel Air, Texas. And if our listeners have not checked out his huddle film, you need to. It is an absolute freak show oh for nearly goodness. 12 minutes. <laughs> I mean, uh, why it took so long to make him a five-star, I don't know what the, uh, you know, some of the recruiting services were looking at, but he, he's, he definitely is. Uh, and uh, hearing today that it's becoming increasingly likely uh, that he's going to come to Alabama, uh, Jimbo Fisher's made a run at him, but uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa and, of course, the staff changes at Alabama, and I think Jeff Banks is going to play a part in this too, William. He was in Houston yesterday, uh, but I think Jalen Waddell coming to Alabama would be huge because he's going to fill a role with Jeff Banks as a punt returner, first of all. I, Trevon Diggs finished strong, but this kid is electric. Trevon will probably return kickoffs along with Henry Ruggs, but uh, then I, I expect Waddell to be in the rotation as well. If you watch this kid's film, he also plays corner, and the thing I loved about him, William, blocking as well he's very very physical even though he's undersized uh but it just i, I don't I, he's just electric with the ball in his hand well you, you've obviously got your ear to the ground who has made him a five-star um i believe rivals just recently did uh he's he's become a five-star prospect and uh you know i think he will be you know in the composite and whatnot before it's all said and i think he's moved into the top i want to say 30 or 30, 35 or 40 in the country uh, to me, he's as good as any receiver in America. Uh, I think Alabama is also going to get Justin Ross. He visited last weekend, and I think uh, when when grandmother wants you close to home, that usually wins out. He'll visit Auburn this weekend, uh, but uh, again, to his electric uh, performance, I think is going to help Alabama bring in those two guys. And when and then Bobby Brown, there is some thought that he might visit A and M before you know the process is over. Uh, but uh, Tosh Lupoy, as you know, William is a very, very good recruiter, along with Carl Dunbar staying. I, I, I anticipate Bobby Brown being in the class, so that's, that's four of your spots right there. Uh, so Alabama would probably have around four remaining, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they handle this defensive backfield because uh, they, they definitely want to add at least two more. And as you said, depending on 
some factors. They could add three, but at least two. And I think we know that Patrick Sertain and Tyson Campbell, the two high school teammates, visited last weekend, and they are the priorities. But Alabama is always under Nick Saban. They are not going to be unprepared. Uh, Tyson Campbell is going to be a battle with Georgia and Miami. Uh, and so we've seen them turn up the heat on Jaleel Irvin. And as you have just talked about, the young man visiting this weekend, uh, Eddie Smith from Salmon, Louisiana, who reminds a lot of people from the standpoint of his late rise of Eddie Jackson. Absolutely. And you brought up a great point. And I think that if the decision wasn't made by Nick Saban at halftime um, in the national championship game against Georgia, I don't think Alabama gets Jalen Waddell or Justin Ross. Agreed. And it's not just Granny. It's not just Granny that's a dyed-in-the-wool bammer. It's Mama, too. Yes. Um, so he's got, you know, two, two influential people in his life. Um, and, but, I, but I do think that uh, the decision to uh, make that quarterback change at halftime not only won Nick Saban another national championship, but I think it's going to uh, play, play out in spades for this recruiting class as well. I don't think that Alabama gets – Jalen Waddle or Justin Ross, unless those two kids saw um, Tua Tungvaluwa's performance and how many different players he distributed the ball to, um, you know, in that second half of, of what's going to go down is, you know, one of the biggest, you know, wins in Alabama football history. I mean, it was it was unbelievable, and you know, again, um, and I think it's interesting that. Um, you know, when there was talk of, uh, you know, do you do you give the game ball to Tua? Do you give the game ball to Devonta Smith for making that catch? Um, you know, if you peel the onion layers back a little bit and, and you find out where uh, the players thought the game ball should be given to, um, it was unanimous, unanimously to Alex Leatherwood. And, you know, you've heard Bradley Bozeman speak about this. Do what? I was just saying he, he put on a freak show. I mean, he was just – I don't think Alex Leatherwood gets enough credit for how well he played in that game, honestly, to be honest. It was, it was pretty much as good as what Tua did in my mind. Well, and again, I don't think, you know, Jedrick Wills gets enough credit for, uh, you know, coming in as a, as a jumbo tight end in the red zone and, you know, how, how well he performed as a freshman. And, you know, Drew, I think that's the – the scariest thing that I've ever seen, if you just start, you know, with a pencil, not a pen, but a pencil, looking at what the Alabama offense could look like, you know, by the A-Day game, you know, I think they've announced that it's around the 20th or the 21st of April like it always is. When you start, you know, figuring around, you know, with the pieces, you know, you got Bozeman talking about, you know, Pierce Baker maybe going back to center. We'll see about that. Um, he's going to have to get better with his deep snaps. You know, that's that's why, um, you know, he, he was, you know, not the starting center um, in 2016 after practicing there all fall because he struggled with the, you know, the, the shotgun snaps. But if you start playing around with a pencil with the lineup and, you know, let, let's just say that Alabama signs Jalen Waddell and, and, and uh, Justin Ross. You know, you've got, uh, let's just say, you know, we won't go with the Joe Pendry offensive line. We'll go with the Brent Key offensive line. 
and you've got Alex Leatherwood at left tackle, and, and I totally agree with what you just said. Him coming off the bench cold and performing at the second toughest position in college football, uh, being a boundary corner is, is the toughest spot. Uh, playing left tackles, number two. Um, the way he performed coming off the bench cold, after not getting a lot of quality, you know, reps and games that mattered to me, um, was phenomenal. Um, you know, let's just say that it's Alex Leatherwood at left tackle, Jonah Williams at center, and if if, if Wills isn't the right tackle, I think he's going to end up being one of the best five, and he's going to factor in somewhere. So. You've got three five-star offensive linemen. You've got a five-star quarterback in Tua. And you've got Damian Harris coming back. I could draw you up a diagram um, where there's no tight ends, and then it's a two-running back set. And it's, you know, Damian Harris um, and and, uh, Najee Harris back there. So you've got two five-star running backs, a five-star quarterback, Leatherwood, Williams, and Wills, that gets you to six. And if the three starting wide receivers next year are Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs, that gives you nine players on that offense that at least one recruiting service rated as a five-star recruit. If that doesn't scare the shit out of any opposing defensive coordinator, nothing ever will. Uh, that's a great point. It'd be a lot of talent for uh, Mike Loxley uh, to, uh, you know, be uh, to have at his ex- his disposal, and uh, we'll see, you know, uh, how this recruiting class shapes out. But William, you you pick you bring up the offensive line. They just had a visit from Nicholas Petit Friere, uh, the top offensive tackle on their board from uh, Tampa Bay High School, uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, uh, Berkeley High School. Uh, he's a consensus five star. Many believe the number one offensive tackle in the country. A lot of people believe they really impressed he and his mother in Alabama Leeds. Uh, he's going to visit Florida this weekend, the in-state school, and then uh, go to Ohio State. looks like the final weekend. He's already visited uh, Michigan and Notre Dame, but uh, you'd have to believe he's 272 pounds. He'd need a red shirt, but that Alabama would take this young man. Uh, from what I've been told, that Nick Saban believes he's a first-round draft pick. Uh, Drew, he's 30 pounds away from being a first-round draft pick. Um he, he is so fluid, um, so silky smooth with, with his footwork and the way he operates. Um, you know, I had watched his high school film, obviously, a long time ago. But, you know, watching him at that Under Armour game, um, you know, against another five-star um, that, that's a, a first-round draft pick and Anoma, who is, is – uh, at least by 247 now, is the number three player in the country. They're their top-rated uh, defensive player in the country. Uh, but, no, uh, Petit Fierre is 30 pounds away from being a top 15 draft pick. And you just can't turn somebody like that down if they want to come. Um, you know, Alabama has boo coodles of players on the interior of the offensive line that could play center or offensive guard. But you just can't turn down a talent like that. I mean, that guy, you know, it's, it's almost like watching Spider-Man swing between buildings, you know, on a cartoon level. Um, just, just, you know, uh, you know, I wish I could have been, you know, 17, 18 years old and have somebody telling me, because nobody was um, telling me that, you know, if you would just, you know, eat a little bit more, 
lift a, a few more heavy objects, you're going to be a, a top 15-round draft pick and a multimillionaire in three years. And that's what Petit Fier is. Um, so if, if Alabama – and I do think if National Signing Day was tomorrow and things could change with that visit to Florida um, or that visit to Ohio State, but I do think if National Signing Day was tomorrow on Friday, he would sign with Alabama. And that's a guy um, that regardless of how the numbers play out, if he calls Nick Saban on National Signing Day and says, Coach, I want to come, Nick Saban's going to make room for him. Despite however the numbers work out or however many players he has to say, uh, go somewhere else just like he did with uh, the defensive tackle several years ago in Mobile. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, uh, they, had to, they had to do that uh, uh, in, uh, with that young man, and he's still in the National Football League. Uh, he had a, a great yeah, run. pro football and, player. Yeah, he is. He's a pro football player. And Darius Phylon. Darius Phylon, yeah. Yeah, they, they, thank you, Thomas. Uh, and uh, he was uh, – I talked to that young man uh, on the phone during the recruiting process. I hated it because he played on one leg and uh, led Viger to the state championship game in 5A where they lost to Hartsall. I think he was 6-3. to three. Uh, But he was a warrior, and I thought that was a mistake that Alabama didn't take uh, Darius Phylon. But you're right. I'm sure that they would take Nicholas Petit-Friere. I, I, I certainly would. Uh, and then, as we've said, they're going to take two defensive backs, and they've got a, a long list. And a lot of those guys are going to visit this weekend, including a couple of quarterbacks, too. But uh, the, the, the defensive backs that are visiting are Isaac Taylor Stewart uh, from San Diego, Mission Viejo, California, four-star corner Elijah Griffin, uh, the son of uh, the rapper Warren G., uh, and uh, cornerback Eddie Smith from Slidell, <laughs> Louisiana, that we talked about. And Eddie's got – an outstanding frame. He's a lot better than a three-star prospect. I can assure you of that. Tight end Glenn Beal is slated to visit from River Ridge and, of course, J.T. Curtis High School in Louisiana. But, well, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make that visit. Alabama, I think, is done at tight end. Uh, and then uh, wide receiver Jacob Copeland, who can also play defensive back, will visit. But if uh, the continuing trend of uh, Jalen Waddell uh, and uh, Justin Ross to Alabama it happens, I would expect Copeland to likely end up at Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt. And then the two quarterbacks, as we said, Brock Purdy, who's getting a lot of heavy interest nationally after Alabama offered last week. Uh, and then an interesting name, William Brevin uh, White uh, from uh, California, who is a four-star prospect and is committed to, of all places, Princeton because he's so advanced academically from Lancaster, California. So it's going to be interesting. I, to me, if they do take a quarterback in, in the next couple of weeks, it probably means they anticipate Jalen Hurts leaving, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless because I know Nick Saban doesn't want to get caught with only uh, two on scholarship at this point. Yeah, and I think uh, you know out of that group that you mentioned, you know, to me, Eddie Smith, um, or that's his name, isn't it? The, the Correct. DA, uh, yep, yep. From uh, from yep. Salmon, Louisiana. I think Eddie Smith. I think I, I think he's probably the the priority there. Um, you know, the, the quarterbacks that are in play, you know, I think, you know, you know, I'm not Nick Saban. I understand his philosophy that he wants to sign at least one, you know, every year. But when you look at the needs, um, you know, if they can get one of those, you know, three or four kids that they're in on out in California, it would make more sense to me. But nobody's paying me a million dollars, $11 million a year <laughs> to make that decision. Um, right. But, you know, 
it's it, it's an exciting time, I think, back there because, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that opened uh, Patrick Sertain Jr. and his father's eyes when he came in this past weekend on the visit is, you know, they can offer early playing time at that position. Um, mm-hmm. That's not really the norm, um, you know, for a Nick Saban team to have, you know, that many DBs departing to the NFL. Um, where you can offer early playing time there. And also, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, he was the, the dad, uh, Sertain Sr., you know, was at Miami and just missed playing for Nick Saban by one year um, before he got traded to Kansas City. But, you know, they, they've got a relationship there. Um, you know, I know the, the Miami and the LSU fans are, are you know, trying to, you know, spread Vitterall out there that um, there isn't a good relationship between Nick Saban and Patrick Sertain Sr., and that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, But, you know, I I think that when you look at their needs, um, I think certainly that I would rather see them at a third DB or another defensive lineman versus taking a quarterback when they've got the opportunity next year you know, to sign, uh, you know, baby to, or, you know, or the Tyson kid where they can bring two quarterbacks in in one class. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, in, and I, in, in a way I wish they could talk Jalen into staying, even being a backup quarterback and maybe a, a, a kind of a, a Cordell Stewart, just kind of a, a, a Swiss army knife type weapon. Uh, I would rather them t- uh, take a pass or take a pass on a QB, and, and even if they, you know, decide not to take three DBs, take one of the linebackers. I, I don't think they're going to get JJ Peterson, uh, but uh, Big Vern or Quay Walker, uh, Vernon Jackson, Quay Walker. You know, I've I felt like for a while he wasn't going to come to Alabama, but uh, you know, if they can hold on to Bobby Brown and get Jalen Waddle from the Houston area, I think Jeff Banks could get Vernon Jackson and Tosh to stay committed, but. They're going to have to decide uh, whether or not they want to do that. And, William, I know uh, you've said also because of the depth and the quality of the linebacker class last year, that position is not as big a priority in this particular class. No, I, you know, I think, you know, when it comes down to, uh, you know, nut-cutting time, Drew, I mean, I think they would love to, you know, hang on to Quay Walker. Um, you know, he's long. He can run well. Um, you know, I, I do think he is a more true five-star prospect than, you know, what a guy like Ben Davis was. Um, but, you know, I think with what they've taken in the last two recruiting classes, you know, certainly if they have to miss somewhere, um, the inside linebacker position is somewhere they can afford to miss. And, you know, there's a lot of them out there on the market next year in the 2019 class. Um and again, you know, if you get, let's say that what a lot of people expect to happen is, is that Quay Walker is going to either end up at Georgia or Tennessee. Um, if he does, if he doesn't come to Alabama and, and honor his pledge, you know, me personally, um, I would hope that he goes to Tennessee with Jeremy Pruitt, uh, you know, versus going to Georgia with Kirby Smart because I want to see. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt calls Kirby Smart as many problems as he can. But, you know, if Quay Walker departs, then it gives Alabama the flexibility to maybe take one of those borderline quarterbacks plus another third DB. 
And that's a great point, William, no doubt about it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of see in the next couple of weeks how the numbers all work out. But regardless, I look for Alabama to end up with either a top uh, three, perhaps even top two class. going to be hard to catch Georgia, but still should be an outstanding uh, recruiting haul for Nick Saban uh, and that coaching staff. But we're going to wrap it up here on BAMS Radio. It's been a quick hour. Uh, and uh, we, we hope you've enjoyed our conversation. We're really excited about Dan Enos uh, coming in uh, as uh, the associate head coach and quarterbacks coach that led off our program. And we talked about some of the other staff moves and recruiting. Recruiting will be a big topic of the conversation, uh, you know, next week on the show as it will be one week from National Signing Day. We're also going to review uh, the Alabama Crimson Tides game against the Oklahoma Sooners. Trey Young coming to, uh, to uh, Coleman Coliseum this Saturday. I'll be there for full coverage. And it's big for Alabama because they need to bounce back from what was a disappointing road loss at Ole Miss. But Avery Johnson still uh, is uh, got this program on the right track, despite what you might read on Twitter. And if you've seen my Twitter account in the last two or three days, it has been a train wreck with uh, uh, arguing over Alabama basketball. But I still uh, am very excited about the future <laughs> of that program and uh, very uh, and pumped up about the direction now. Nick Saban re-energized and building, as William said, maybe his most talented coaching staff yet, and that's saying a lot with the master uh, because Coach Saban is the best that we've ever seen at building a coaching staff. But I want to thank Thomas Watts, the wizard behind the curtain, and my co-host for producing BAMS Radio tonight. I want to thank William Redfish Barger for joining us. Everybody enjoy the rest of your evening. We'll talk to you next week, and roll tide. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.